May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Merry Christmas! My name is Mike McGowan. I'm the senior pastor here at Parkway Fellowship, and I'm so glad you made it to church today as we wrap up our message series, Christmas Carols. And in this series, we've been looking at the historical and the biblical background of some of our most famous carols. Um, And uh, when we do, it helps us to understand what these writers were going through when they wrote these carols. And it can help us to have a deeper experience with Christ at Christmas and appreciate what was going on in these people's lives. And it helps draw us closer to Christ. And hopefully you've already experienced that as we've looked at a couple of carols already. O Little Town of Bethlehem and I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And when we study these carols like this and look at the biblical background of it, It also helps us to keep our focus on Jesus during the holiday season and not get so easily distracted by the traveling and the shopping and the gift giving and the relatives and all of that that goes along with Christmas. And that brings us to our carol for today. What child is this? Now, as we think about this carol, we usually think about Christmas carols and Christmas time as a time of joy. But for some of us, sometimes Christmas can be filled with a lot of hurt. We could be going through sometimes really difficult and challenging times at Christmas. And some of the Christmas carols, they they don't seem to be speaking at all to people who are hurting. But sometimes they do. And that's our Christmas carol for today. This carol was written in 1865 by William Chatterton Dix, who was stricken with a sudden illness that nearly killed him. And uh, he, was confined, he was confined to bed rest for months. And honestly, in this illness, um, it was so severe, they really, they thought he was going to die. And as a result of being confined to bed rest for so long, he slipped into a depression. And it was during Christmas time, while he was struggling with depression, that God met him in an incredible way and inspired him to write these words. Look at it there in your bulletin. He wrote, What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet and anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping? This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing, haste, haste to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. So what is one key lesson that we can learn from this carol? Just one, and this is your only feeling of the day, and that is this, that Jesus is the first best source of happiness. He is the first best source of happiness. Honestly, I can only imagine how William Chatterton Dix was feeling at Christmas time. You know, with everyone singing and laughing and carrying on, enjoying themselves while he's confined to his bed. Look, remember, this is 1865. I mean, they don't even have Tylenol, right? And so, I mean, I can imagine how difficult this was been. And after months of being ill with very little progress toward recovery, and what progress was was incredibly slow. I, can, I mean, it's easy to understand how he would have slipped into a depression. But yet, when he turned his gaze away from his illness, 
and toward Christ, that's when his spirits began to cheer. And he realized that God had not abandoned him. He was just as near as he had always been. And it was in that moment that he wrote this carol. I mean, I can imagine he was thinking, what child is this who has the ability not just to heal my body, but to heal my soul? What child is this who has the ability to meet me in my darkest hour and bring cheer to my life. What child is this? It's pretty amazing. And this is the same kind of situation that a woman in the Bible found herself in, very desperate situation. Her name was Anna. Uh, she got married when she was a teenager, and you know, like most Israelite girls did in their day, that's you know, when they got married. And she looked forward to a whole life of rearing children and growing old with her husband. But it was not meant to be. After seven years of being married, her husband died. And she never remarried. In fact, she spent literally every day and night at the temple getting and just scratching out a meager existence from the donations that were given and the food that was distributed by the priests to the poor. And it's likely that she probably didn't have any children because no one was taking care of her. And that's why she was living at the temple because her only other option to earn a living would have been prostitution, which she simply would not do. And the first time we meet Anna in the Bible... She is 84 years old. She's 84. And I want you to look what happens when Mary and Joseph show up to bring the baby Jesus to the temple for dedication. Look what happens. It's in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 36. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them, and this is Mary and Joseph that, was, uh, that she came up to. Coming up to them, at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. I, mean, honestly, I can only imagine how desperate Anna's life had been for the past 70 plus years. You know, living below the poverty level, you know, all of her dreams of what she thought her life was going to be like, none of them came to pass. But when she saw Jesus, she rejoiced. When she saw Jesus, she rejoiced. She gave thanks to God. She was so excited that she was willing to tell anyone and everyone who would listen about Jesus. See, that's what happens when Jesus comes into a person's life. When someone finds Jesus, they find hope. When someone finds Jesus, they find joy. 
When someone finds Jesus, they find the first best source of happiness. That's what happened for William Chatterton Dix. That's what happened for Anna. And that's what can happen for you. So if you're here this morning and you've never become a Christ follower, you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you and then pledge your life to following him, I promise you, you're missing out on the first best source of happiness that there is. And you can become a Christ follower today. Because what I'm saying is, is that if you will have this relationship with Jesus, I'm not saying that you're never going to have sad moments. I'm not saying that your life from that point forward is going to be just, you know, all cookies and candy canes. Okay, that's, that's not real. But what I am saying is that even in the midst of sad times, you'll have a source of happiness that honestly, it just defies understanding. And it defies understanding because it doesn't come as a result of a circumstance, it's the result of a person. And that person is Jesus. On the back of your message notes at the very bottom, there's a place, uh, there's a, a place where there's a sample prayer to become a Christ follower. If you've never prayed that prayer before, please pray it this morning. I'm going to give you a chance when we get to the end of our message, message today. If you've never prayed it before, pray it today. Become a Christ follower. I'm telling you, it'll change your life forever. You know, and if you're sitting in this room and you are already a Christ follower, but for whatever reason, you've walked away from Jesus, you've been far from him for a long time, then I want to encourage you this morning, recommit your life to following Jesus. Recommit your life to having a relationship with him. And one of the best things that you can do to help develop and foster that relationship with him is make a commitment to be at church every time you can. Because it's when you're here at the church, that is when you will learn how to develop and to deepen and to grow that relationship with Christ. And it will become as real to you as I'm talking to you. So if that's what you need to do, then make a commitment to do that. And I'll be honest with you, when I think about people whose lives have not worked out like they thought or like they dreamed, and in the midst of all, Jesus has become their first best source of happiness, you know who I think of? I think about the kids at Still Creek Ranch. Oh, man. Maybe you've heard of this place. I had not heard of it until just a couple of years ago. It's located in Bryan, you know, just, lo- just over an hour from here. And it's run, honestly, by two of the greatest Christians I've ever met, Steve and Tracy Singleton. And I consider them friends. And these are some incredible people. Um, the ranch is essentially, it's a boys and girls home where they take in kids who have been abused or whose parents, for whatever reason, can no longer care for them. And they will also take in girls who have been rescued out of human trafficking. I mean, it is an incredible place. And I'm telling you, Jesus is present and he is real at this ranch in, in just unbelievably tangible ways. I mean, I've been there. I've seen it. And I want to show you a video about Still Creek Ranch. And then as you watch this video, I want you to be watching, see how Jesus has transformed the lives of these kids. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to wrap it up. So let's go ahead and show the video this morning.
I'm Steve, this is Tracy Singleton, and we are the executive directors for Still Creek Ministries. For 16 years, we, we worked in the business world and forgot about our dream that we both had early on to run a children's home. Well, during that time, I started reading, I was reading through the Bible, and I got to Luke chapter four, and when I got to where Jesus took the scroll and he stood up and he read from the scroll, um, I've come to proclaim the good news, to um, release the prisoner, to give sight to the blind, and to release the oppressed. And that really hit me. My whole life I had spent trying to just do good works for God, just trying to do, thinking I was doing choir, teaching Sunday school, doing all these things. We spent our whole life trying to do good deeds for God, but God came to set the oppressed free. And I wrote in my Bible that day, I wrote that, God, please give Tracy and I the opportunity to help those who are hurting. Shortly thereafter, I was down at church on a Wednesday night service down Calvary Chapel, Bob Coy's church, and they gave a inter, uh, presentation about human trafficking. As they started talking about it, I was blown away with the stats. I, I hadn't heard that. I'd heard something about human trafficking. But when I got to that part, all of a sudden, like a burning bush experience, um, for 16 years, I'd been tending my own flock, not paying attention to what was going on around me. And all of a sudden, all that came to, came to me, and God said, uh, I'm calling you and Tracy back into the children's home. We've been out 16 years, and um, you're going to rescue these girls. So I called her up, and I said, honey, we're going back in the children's home business. And I'm the dreamer. She's a realist. So what happened next was she said, honey, you're crazy. She said, I'm here taking care of your father. You're there alone in Florida. I've got our six kids I'm taking care of. I need you to sell the business, get back home, and help me out. And I said, yeah, you know, honey, you're right. And I said, what you are talking about would take 30 years to build. Little did we know that 30 years prior to that date, uh, Still Creek was put into motion. We had a friend that told us about uh, Still Creek Ranch, and we came and interviewed with Margaret and Danny O'Quinn, who founded it 25 years ago. And they showed us around, and we knew that the Lord had sent us here because our our hearts are one with children and teens, and um, that is how we ended up here. I've been here for a year and a half. I'm Haley White. I've been here for six months. Hi, I'm Sean Todd, and I'm 15 years old, and I've been here for six years. My name is Stephanie. I'm 17 years old, and I have been here for three years. Uh, I'm Noah. I've been at Stow Creek for almost four years now. My name is Maddie Day. I'm 15. I've been here for about six months. My name is Jordan Watson. Um, I'm 17 years old, and I've been living at Still Creek now for the last seven years. When I got here, I was this little punky brat. <laughs> I did a lot of things um, that weren't, I stole, I lied, I cheated. Um, I was everything, I guess you could say, the enemy wanted me to be. I'd go outside to play, but then some people would want to go do other stuff, so I'd go with them, and sooner or later I was just doing everything they did. Like graffiti, smoking, drinking, robbing, not robbing, but like breaking into houses just for fun, like break the doors and then run, and bust windows, do stuff like that. I really felt like I had no place in life, like I was just there to be there, and that there was nothing more to it. After my grandpa died in 2010, 
everything just went downhill. I started smoking and drinking, and my life just kind of fell apart from there. I had drug use, and, and then I went to rehab twice last year. It didn't phase me. I was just like, oh, well, I'm just, I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to be a drug head for the rest of my life. That's, that's just how it is going to be. I mean, I, I was just stuck to what I knew best. When I was hurt by other people, I just went and did drugs to numb the pain, to not feel what was really going on, because I didn't want to have to deal with it. If I hadn't come to Still Creek, I'd probably be in a juvenile detention center. Before I came, came to Still Creek, I never even really had a bed to live in. I was always either on the floor, on the couch, or in the back of a car. When I first came in to the house, my jaw dropped pretty much. I, I didn't ever think I was going to have my own bed. I never really thought I was going to have my own my own closet, my own dresser to put my clothes in. And uh, when I went upstairs and they said, this is your bed, this is your closet, I, I almost cried. When we'd bring these kids in, instead of treating them as victims like they really are, we try to push them out. We try to make them have courage to do things they've never been able to do before. So we don't want them to feel like a victim. We want them to say, okay, I know this happened to me, but now look what I get to do. And we push them out in the front. We make them, we treat them as adults. We want them to be on our team so that they can go out into the world and make a difference in the world, whereas their past they never would have been able to do. Um, these kids come to us with, with no backgrounds, with um, never a thought of going to college, and never the question asked to them, what do you want to be someday? If it wasn't for the school, a lot of Still Creek um, wouldn't be here. I feel like that um, through education that these kids can finally decide that they can do anything and be anybody. I'm doing really good in school. I'm on a, now I'm, I have an AB average instead of failing to see. Here is where I have opportunities and where I have life. Oh, well, before I came to Steel Creek, I didn't really care to go to college, and I was just gonna kind of ride the wave of life and see what happened. So it was really life-changing, I guess. That's pretty cliche, but um, it's just if without Steel Creek, I there's really no telling what I might be in jail, who knows, you know. Well, I'll be attending Blinn this fall, then I hope to transfer into the University of Texas to pursue a business degree and hopefully be a management consultant afterwards. When I interview children to come here, they come in and they think they are stupid, they cannot do anything, and that they are nobodies. And they have literally said, I am a nobody in this world. And my favorite part is when we believe in them when no one else has and that they truly see that we believe in them when no one else has and that is what begins to change them. And when you see it hit, when you see that kid start to realize, you know what, I get to be something I never dreamed of being, that's when it all makes it all worthwhile. I saw a statistic the other day that blew my mind. In the entire 400 years of the transatlantic slave trade, there was 4 million slaves over a 400 year period. Currently, right now, there's 27 million people that are slaves. 27 million slaves in the world today that exist. In America alone, 300,000 of our daughters are being trafficked. We were blind to it. We've heard about it, seen it on TV, or read stories or movies. And you know, even in the Bible, you hear about the, the slaves. and. But being down the street from us where we lived at was, it was really an eye opener and it was 
appalling in some ways to, to know that it was going on and nothing's being done about it. To drive by it every morning, Monday through Friday, wondering why that place is still standing. Well, before I came to Still Creek, men were, I mean, they just looked at me like I was a piece of meat, basically. I mean, that's what I was. I didn't have any respect for myself, for my body, and I just let what happened happen. That's just the way things were. I mean, I was just a nobody, but now I walk with my head up and my shoulders back, and I smile more. Still Creek's made me realize that I'm better than just a drug head. I'm, Better than that. God's got a purpose for me. My favorite part of the job is seeing the girls' lives literally restored right in front of your eyes. Seeing girls who come in, um, who are really um, jaded by life, who've been hurt um, in awful, awful ways, um, who've been living on the streets or living under the worst conditions ever, come in and um, that's how they are when they come. And then seeing their life completely restored and changed and then now they're the girls that are leading. Uh, Still Creek and Restore Her are the only program, long-term care programs for girls that are being trafficked. Um, and so we intend, it's our goal and our objective, um, and with God's vision, we're going to make this a national program with safe houses around the country and then eventually around the world. I've been involved in hospital charities across the world. I've been involved in uh, other charity organizations and uh, youth organizations in other states. And I've never, ever, ever have I seen an operation like this. Investing in Still Creek and Restore Her is something that is completely different to anything else. It's so important because you're investing in the lives of these kids. You're not just giving money on a monthly basis and saying it makes me feel good because I'm helping out financially. It breaks my heart every time I have to turn down a child and say that you are have to be on our waiting list. But this is a growing need in our nation and if we don't do something, our world is in trouble. We need your help because Every dollar that comes in, everyone that partners with us and helps us, we are going to build more beds and we're going to bring in more children that are in crisis situations. Our motto is crisis to new creation. We can't change a kid. Christ can change a kid. And they can take, make him into a new creation. And because as a nation of adults, we need to rise up and save these children that are in our presence. When you look into the eyes of a girl or a boy that has come out of having no bed, no closet, and not knowing what they're going to eat the next day, that's our job to take care of it. People always ask us, how do you do what you do? And we say, we are the ones that are blessed with what we do. Every day we see the faces of these children and we feel completely blessed and lucky to have the place that we have here. My favorite part about this place is getting to work with godly people and in a place where God is every day. I'm, I've never been somewhere where I've been so blessed as every single person that's on this ranch cares deeply about what they do. They have a passion for these kids. They have a passion for bringing these kids from crisis to new creation. Every single person that's here and every single day you see God work. We really want you to come meet our children because once you shake their hand and you look in their eye, you will be as proud of them as we are because they are some of the best kids you'll ever meet. The kind of man I hope to be now is um, one that has, lives a life of integrity. He, he's trustworthy and uh, he's respected. I would encourage anybody who has any questions or thoughts, um, who has felt compelled to get involved, to just overcome that fear and uh, get involved because once you're on the other side, it is beautiful. 
I felt broken. I felt not worth something. I woke up every day feeling like a piece of trash that didn't belong anywhere. But when I came to Still Creek, I felt loved. I felt joy. I just felt happiness. It's just home. You know, for a lot of these kids at Still Creek Ranch, you know, their lives, they just haven't turned out like they thought it was going to. But they can still have a life that's better than they imagined. And that's where you and I come in. Because you and I have a chance to help these kids have a life that they never even dreamed possible. So for the very first time, Still Creek Ranch is a part of our annual Christmas offering. The goal of our offering is $100,000. And all of the money, all of it from that offering, is going to go to help four organizations that work exclusively with children. World Vision, which helps impoverished children all over the world. Katie Christian Ministries, which provides food, clothing, and school supplies for children right here in our town. Love 146, which helps prevent little girls from being trafficked and restores those who have. And Still Creek Ranch, which offers shelter and education for kids whose parents just cannot care for them or won't care for them. So when you give to Still Creek Ranch, I mean, you give the Christmas offering, you're giving to Still Creek Ranch. You are helping them reach out to kids who honestly, I promise you, would have no real chance at a future. It just wouldn't happen for them. But you can change all that. I mean, you can help provide a child with an opportunity to have a bed, to have a closet that he or she can call their own. You have a chance to help these kids learn responsibility by working with horses on a working ranch. I mean, this is an incredible opportunity. I mean, they can go to school, they can get an education, and unbelievably, many of these kids end up going to college. I mean, it's unbelievable what God does. And from time to time, people at Parkway Fellowship will go to Stone Creek Ranch to do service projects or just barbecue with the kids. Let them see that there are adults out there that care for them, that love them, that tell them with their words and their actions that they really do matter. I mean, it's, it's an incredible thing. In fact, uh, I know that I saw Steve in the lobby. Steve, I know, is with us today. Steve, where are you? Hey, stand up, Steve. Here's Steve Singleton right here with us today. Let's give him a round of applause. Thank you, Steve, for everything that you do. You are an amazing man. That God uses you in incredible ways. I want you to look at how this carol closes today. So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Come, peasant king, to own him. The king of kings, salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. 
Raise, raise the song on high. The virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy, for Christ is born. The babe, the son of Mary. You know, just as wise men gave to Jesus whatever they had to honor him, so can you and I give whatever we have so that we can help kids, like the kids at Still Creek, so that they can each have a song in their heart that's filled with joy. That just because their life has not gone like they had planned or hoped or dreamed, doesn't mean that their dreams have to die. That they can have a future that is filled with joy, that is filled with excitement, that is filled with opportunity. Because through Still Creek Ranch, they have found that Jesus really is their first best source of happiness. So I want you to take out your connection card. I want you to hold it right next to your message notes. On the card and on the notes, I want you to check the next step or steps that you're willing to take today. How about this first one? For yourself, I commit to turn to Jesus as my first best source of happiness. Not to alcohol, not to any other kind of substance, not to money, not even to someone else, but turn to Christ. Would you make that commitment? Next, I want to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. If you've never prayed that prayer to become a Christ follower, I'm going to give you a chance to do that here in literally in two minutes. So if you've never prayed that prayer, would you check that box and pray that prayer in just a second when I give you a chance to do it? Next, I will give to the Christmas offering this year. I'm not asking you for an amount. What I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to pray and go ask God what amount he wants you to give. I I honestly, I cannot imagine why parents would ever turn their backs on kids like this. But they have. And so now we have an opportunity to embrace them. Would you, by giving to the Christmas offering this year, that offering is going to go through January 31st. And here's the thing. We've been collecting for this offering for two weeks. Two weeks. In two weeks, we've already collected over $28,000 for the Christmas offering. I know. How awesome is that, right? That's awesome. Now, we're not there yet. We've got a ways to go. And so we need you to participate. So would you? You can give through your envelope, or you can give online through our website, however you want to do it. But make sure you give to the Christmas offering in addition to your regular support of the church. Next, contact me in the future about opportunities to serve and help at Still Creek Ranch. You want to go up there for a service project, barbecue, one of the other things that we do just to go hang out with them? Check here. Make sure your contact information is on the front. Look, you don't even have to be a member here to do this, okay? Put your information on the front. Check that box. We'll put you on the go list, and the next time we do something, we will email you and let you know. And if you can go with us, awesome. I'm telling you, it is an incredible place. Last, I commit to pray weekly for the Still Creek Ranch in 2014. Would you put them on your list? You pray for them every week. Would you do that? I want to give everybody right now a chance to do business with God. So I want you to look at, look at the next steps that you picked. And if you're willing to pray that prayer, then this is going to be your time to pray that prayer to become a Christ follower. But if you're going to check any of these others, I also want you to commit to God that you're going to follow through and do this. So I want everybody right now, bow your heads. 
And I want everybody to take these next few moments and do some personal business with God. Do that right now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.